To ship, of course. Welcome to the Ship Show, the podcast where we discuss build engineering, DevOps, release management, and everything in between. I'm your host, Paul Reed, Sober Build Engine on Twitter and at SoberBuildEngineer.com. It's episode 22 time. Who's here with me? Uh, this is Yusuf uh, at Build Scientist on Twitter. This is Sasha at Sasha underscore D on Twitter. How's it going, guys? Um, good. Sasha, you, we were talking about it's been a busy week for both of us. Pretty kind of recovering from all of the, the stuff we've been doing. Huh? Last week was super fun. It was. Yeah. It was uh, Velocity and DevOps days, and we both had speaking engagements there, and that was very exciting because, yep. Paul, you were really funny. Oh, thank you. And, Sasha, you also got some feedback about your slides, if I remember correctly. Yes, Probably, I'm, and I'm almost more excited about this than I am about actual presentation feedback, which is that uh, Laura Swanson, who is a UI design manager at Etsy, told me that my slides were great. Yeah, so I was actually looking at your slides the other day when they when they got posted. In fact, we retweeted that link just today, so you should go look at our Twitter feed for the link. And they are amazing. I love what you did with the fonts and the layout and how you integrated the lolcats so well. Oh, now you're just being nice. I didn't think they were amazing, but I was really flattered that uh, a UI person thought my slides were great because I generally think I suck really bad at design. No, no, no. They were good. They were good. And, of course, the most important part got to drink bourbon with a bunch of friends at Velocity and DevOps Days. And, actually, tonight uh, we have some very special guests with us to cover DevOps Days. We actually did a taping closing down the show, which took place last week, so we're going to get to that in a moment. But first up, as we always do, news and views. So uh, a couple interesting uh, news points from Oracle and for all the Java developers and users. There was uh, an issue with Oracle announcing that they would not be providing time zone updates uh, without a support contract. Uh, and then also there was a recent relicensing of the man pages that caused a huge fervor in the internets. Uh, what's interesting is that Oracle ended up reversing the policy on both of these. They uh, are re-adding and re-supporting the time zone tool. Uh, and then there's a man page relicensing turned out to be a bug. We'll link to the bug and the details in the show notes. What I thought was kind of curious about this, it, again, it's it seems like we cover Oracle stuff. Like every other episode, there's something where Oracle is trying to screw Java and Java's users over. I, I don't understand that. I mean, did you guys see both of these stories and sort of all the fervor around it and then sort of this, this oops, we screwed up kind of yeah. happening? Oracle eats souls. Is there anything else you can really need to say about it? <laughs> well, well, it's true, but it's it's like I don't. Uh, it's sad, right? I mean, so much of this, so much of of this work, the work that the stuff that we do is working with like Java code, and so I, I, it just seems like they're it seems like they're really asleep at the wheel. And well, it, well they but, just don't give a shit, right? I don't know. You would think that they would, and maybe maybe is it they don't give a. Shit? if you don't have a support contract? I mean, that was one of the things they said about the time zone tool. And then some, it, it, it almost seems like it's the common problem of where you have a big company with a product manager who doesn't understand the language, doesn't understand the people using it, like doesn't understand anything about the product. And so they're like, well, sure, obviously the legal team says we would relicense these man pages. Why wouldn't we? Or obviously we're going to not support anybody that's on a support contract with simple tools that have existed since Java 1 because why would we do that? And then somebody has to be like, no, dude, actually, actually we need that and you need to reverse it. it it's, but, and the thing is, I can understand that happening 
once or twice or whatever, but it just, like I said, it seems like we're talking about this every other episode. Yeah, well, I, so- I, I, I understand the perspective of, you know, from a legal standpoint, you know, and that sort of thing, but the whole wrapping legalese around man pages, really? I mean... Well, and they, they actually, I think there's something interesting there, and it goes back to my supposition that, that there's a sleep at the wheel over there. I mean, this was filed as a bug, and it, they have the bug report, but it's like, yeah, uh, we we screwed it up on the community build server, but there's no indication of this whole big postmortem thing that we do kind of in the DevOps space. There's none of that. There's not even check like the bug tracker doesn't have even links to like what was changed. And and then there was there was more stuff about the GPG signature being wrong. So from like a release engineering perspective, it's like what is going on over there? It's interesting to me that Oracle seems to be signaling like you should move to something else. And yeah, you may have invested millions of dollars in Java, but we don't give a crap. So move to Ruby or whatever. I don't know. Uh, Sasha, you you were jumping in there. Were you, you going to say something? And uh, no, I don't even care. I mean, <laughs> sorry, I think Oracle is just soul-eating. I don't even know why they bought Sun, really. I mean, what were they hoping to get? Because have they gotten anything besides a the lot spark, of... The Spark chip. <laughs> How's that working out for them? Oh, yeah, I know. Seriously, yeah. seriously. I mean, all well, they've really done is make a lot of people miserable with their Sun acquisition. Yeah. Dude, they're going to take a hit on me now, because that's all I ever do is <laughs> talk about how they eat souls. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, interestingly, up, uh, next up, speaking of time zone stuff, we have a story of a 15 millisecond head start that led to $28 million in trading. We'll link that in the show notes as well. But apparently, I guess, some company released some numbers that were a part of a reporting thing a few seconds, not even seconds, a few milliseconds early, and that caused uh, high-frequency trading networks to trade before they were supposed to, and then it got recorded, and now it's a big thing. There's like $28 million worth got traded, which is like an even bigger thing. What I loved about the non-postmortem postmortem they, they posted, uh, and they said this to CNBC, we have identified that there is a minor clock synchronization issue that caused the data to be released 15 milliseconds early. I'm amused, like, everything comes down to you're not running NTP right or, you know, whatever, even higher precision tool you're using to synchronize the clock. It's, it's, I've had so many people say that's not important, and I've actually gone into environments where none of their stuff is synced, and, it's like, and then they wonder why it's stuff, I mean, it's not $28 million worth of pain, but it's like, wow, this stuff actually does matter. NTP matters! Yes, it does. It, you know, it's funny, this, this story kind of reminds me of, I think it's something that happened on the um, Japanese stock exchange, I don't know if it was about 10 years ago or a little, little more, similar timing issue where somebody had, you know, put in a specific order and then they ended up putting it in either later or earlier than they were supposed to and there was this whole big issue with the software and the timing and the, the synchronization and lawsuits and all this you know sort of stuff yeah well that's one of those things you you can't undo i mean how do you how do you remediate 28 million dollars in trades right especially if it went up or down after the fact because then you've got a party that's going to want to either keep the stock if it went up or give it you know it's you can't it's 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 totally weird Last up tonight, uh, Yusuf, you actually uh, pointed this out. Uh, a Prince of Persia code review. Uh, I guess somebody snagged snagged the source code to the original Prince of Persia for the Apple IIe. Yes, so they actually, uh, I guess the, the company who put it out, uh, I want to say Broderbund, uh, open sourced the original Prince of Persia code for the oh, Apple wow. uh, So it's, I believe, on GitHub. And okay. somebody posted a nice little uh, uh, in-depth blog post kind of digging through the code. There's a lot 
a lot of technical, super technical uh, jargon in there. Some, a lot of stuff about bootloaders, which I found the, kind of the most um, interesting thing. Um, keep in mind, you know, Apple IIe, limited resources, etc. So, and one of the things that really struck me as really, really interesting was how they took the standard Apple bootloader and kind of rewrote their, or actually wrote their own because they felt that the Apple one wasn't as optimized as the one that they come up with. Um, yeah. So really, really, really interesting stuff. Um, if any of you uh, listeners out there remember stuff from uh, Jordan Mechner, Prince of Persia, Karataka, I grew up on that type of stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Cool, well, cool so, stuff. Yeah, I was I was perusing the the po- the the link. So first of all, it's actually a beautiful post. There's really great pictures and and just illustrating like how the old bootloader worked and kind of the changes they made that makes it actually really readable. Turns out it was I, w- I was just skimming the intro. Uh, it was written in 6502 assembly. And I, the commentary says that the Apple II wasn't a great environment for game programming. So, looks like they employed some like self-modifying code and the bootloader you mentioned, and then also the floppy disk format. They changed it so that uh, you couldn't copy the floppy. Uh, if you remember that video, don't copy that floppy. It's just I, I always find this stuff amazing, right? Uh, because you hear these stories, uh, like you know the Doom stories and John Carmack and all these things that these people were doing at just such a low level to get the. There's a lot of Nintendo stories where they're just like getting every single last ounce of power out of those those chips, and uh, it's something we don't do much anymore because we we have plenty of cycles to spare, so we spend our time doing other things. But I love reading stuff like this, and if you grew up with Prince of Persia, definitely take a few moments, grab a cup of coffee, sit down, and uh, and give it a read. So uh, next up, we're going to be doing a review of DevOps Days Silicon Valley 2013 uh, here on the show. Oh, we are here. This is like the, the podcast triumvirate. We have Damon uh, Edwards from the uh, DevOps Cafe, and we have Nathan from the Food Fight Show, and uh, Sasha and Paul here from the Ship Show. Oh, uh, we also have Lucis from the Food Fight Show. Oh, and Lucis from the, the Food Fight Show as well. I always, you have so many people that co-host. come on. Yeah. Yeah, co-host. Our, our it's a posse. Yeah, yeah it really yeah, is a posse, and, and I don't always remember all of them. But And we're here closing down DevOps Days Mountain View, shutting Silicon Valley. Down. Yeah, shutting down with the organizers. So who all is with us? Hi, I'm Patrick. Some of you might know Patrick, Mr. DevOps himself. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I can't call things DevOps. AKA the, the godfather of DevOps. The godfather. The godfather. Oh, so the don't the call him that. Yeah. You have to edit that out, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why we keep doing it. That's, that goes into the blooper. Big some more donuts. <laughs> Come on. Move along. Can we call him the fairy godmother of DevOps? Oh, oh I like that. That's better. I like you like that? that? Can yeah. we do that? Okay. Sparkly godmother. And I get to wave my watch. That's right. And we can wand. give you some sparkles. Oh, and you can have DevOps sparkles. Yeah. You'll have the magic devil. No, I'll light you to do that. <laughs> Better watch out because I will. And Robert Berger, you were coming out doing a bunch of organizing too. Doing what I could do. Yeah. Rob is our AV god too. So. <laughs> Since high school. Rob is actually also our t-shirt Hawaiian. Yep. Like designer. So. <laughs> I think uh, I think this was a great DevOps days. It it had sort of the traditional DevOps day feel where two days with presentations in the morning and then open spaces in the afternoon. But the one thing that was so clearly different about this one was the size of this particular DevOps days. Well we do know how to do scaling. So. <laughs> yeah, so DevOps actually scales. DevOps can scale it as it turns out. It's DevOps pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. So there were what like 
500, close to 500 people here. 500 people, yeah. yeah. And it was yeah. The, the largest DevOps days to date. Yeah, yeah. it was. By a lot. And well, we were discussing this earlier too. Just a lot of people. It's, it's sandwiched in between velocity and cloud, it's cloud stack, yeah. cloud stack, cloud yeah. stack conference. And it, DevOps days, let's like one conference to another. It's the AV crews all set up. Yeah, it was it was an amazing. Well, actually, so I, I just want to give a shout out to Citrix because this is actually the reason why we have this big AV setup and we're able to get this secure location. The whole thing is all due to their weight and heft. So Mark Henkel really laid down the law for us and got. The, he knows people who know people. Mark Henkel knows people and knows people and gets things done. He's like the man behind the scenes. So they were, I mean, it's probably one of the most critical sponsorships that we've ever had for a DevOps days, probably, I, I believe, since that first uh, U.S. one at, uh, at LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So what is he like? Build a cloud dot, dot org, build open yep. uh, yeah. cloud stack, all that stuff. Go and uh, give him some love. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And yeah. definitely buy him a beer. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> especially Mark, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just saying cloud stacks an Apache project, too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're actually good guys. And go to meeting. Can we talk about some of the talks? Sure. So, um, well, can we talk about Paul's talk? That's the one I was going to go for. Because he's never going to let us talk. He's never going to like bring it up, and it was great. Yeah. It was, it was Except funny. when the plane crashed, because that was like... It was actually, it was actually probably one of the few talks I've seen that actually integrated video like very well, and it wasn't tedious, and it was actually fun. Cool. Yeah. It's a good talk. Yeah. yeah. So te- and, technically, and it was a beautiful. It was like talk. a TED talk. Yeah, it was. Can we get our check? It was profound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. All right, uh, uh, the checks in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I am a better release engineer than a pilot, apparently. <laughs> so, yeah. Man, I hope actually all pilots are better release engineers than they are pilots because all the stuff that I learned in your presentation has now scared me to even get back on my plane. <laughs> well, so uh, the one thing I will say about that because I actually got a couple of, of people. Uh, saying that on the Twitter sphere, they're like, I don't want to fly home. Uh, and the one thing I didn't say in the talk, about, which I really meant to, was that all of the accident examples I gave, that was one link in the chain. There's always a chain of a bunch of other things that happen. So you only got to see one little part of it. So it's fine. Go go out and fly. It's, it's cool. Yeah, I just but, don't like to know about anything behind the scenes, right? Yeah. yeah because I'm, I just try to be ignorant. But I did like your, you know, the way that you drew the analogy between the pilots and the, the ground control and dev and ops. But I thought... I don't even actually remember if this was in your talk or if this was in a conversation that you and I were having later where nobody questions, like, there are pilots and of course there's operations that that are going on and these teams are working together uh, for safety. Yeah, yeah. Well, so what we were saying is when I was stupid, more stupider in my 20s, I used to, we have this argument with friends. And I was the release engineer and they were developers. And it's like, we write the code and you wouldn't have a job if we didn't exist. And it's like, well, your code wouldn't get out without, you know, us and blah, blah, blah. And and aviation doesn't ha- even have that. It's not an argument. It doesn't make sense to have that argument. Right, right. right? Um, and so a lot of times, and you've probably seen this, like when you're uh, dealing with large organizations and there's that weird, like, business metric about who gets more headcount and weird, like, ops, like, the, the way they kind of look at that problem, you can kind of get away from it by reframing it a little bit. I'm pointing to Dame when he's looking That's me, yeah. Uh, no, the, um, <laughs> well, yeah, because the system's obvious in the aircraft scenario, right? Right. I mean, it's, you can look at it, and bad bad things happen if you forget about the system, so the infighting kind of takes care of itself, because the why is pretty clear, which is we need to get the plane and the people from point A to point B. Pilots Point would B. be dead. Right, exactly. So right. everyone's There's got incentives. There's incentives. <laughs> yeah, there's incentives. Aligned there. incentives, and, yes. Right, and, and that's and so you know you can't live in silos and, and have this sort of myopic views of the uh, of the world. In fact, that idea of it's a funny one. I still hear this even from operate. I've heard this from, even coming from operations, but in air quotes. You know, people that oh well, if we have develop if we have developers doing operation stuff all the time, they won't have any time to actually write their 
their code. And it's funny when they say that, because if you think about it, the whole point of the company is to operate a running service. So who cares how fast you're writing code if you aren't running the service? And if you actually step back far enough, you say we have X number of smart people in this organization, we need to optimize for that whole group of smart people to get this work done as fast as, as fast as possible. This idea that value is being created some in one place and not in the other place is a old siloed thinking point of view that, that dies, dies hard. Mm-hmm. My presentation talked a little bit about communication. One thing I was really surprised is communication seemed to be a big theme of a lot of presentations, a lot of open spaces, like how do you communicate better? You know, m- one of my major points is it's important we should care about it. But it was interesting to see the other presentations talking, like <coughs> communication is sort of this building block. And it's interesting, it seems like a lot of those, like we've gotten to the point of like DevOps, it's important, like we, we get it, like we should be doing that. And now we're starting to talk about like, okay, how? What are the components of, of successful DevOps transformations and organizations, right? And so communication was a big one that I, a big theme I noticed of a lot of presentations sure. uh, this particular, yeah. yeah. But I still get a feeling that people um, want to try to theorize or make a theory on how to communicate mm-hmm. instead of actually doing it. Right. Like they want to hear like, how, oh, why is it good? Like how, like give me a hundred ways to do it. Right. But are they doing it? I, I don't know yet. So obviously there are, well, but it's uh, it's different. I mean, I, I think it's because it's, you know it's 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 people, right? It's squishy. It's the big the big unknown. We don't have control of it. And as technologists, it's like you like things that you can have systems that you can have control over and understand theories behind. And right. it's like the uh, that whole thing I've said in talks before about casino games, right? Like psychologists show that people who actually enjoy the casino process the most are people who intimately understand the odds. So people who know it's a rigged game and it's stacked against them like gambling better than the people who literally believe it's a game of chance and then because it's the fear of the things you can't control right. versus this, ooh, there's a system here, I'm gonna figure it out. I know the levers and the knobs and I'm gonna keep trying out this, keep trying to you know win this game until I get it right. And I feel like if we understand that all this communication things, there is theories behind it. I think we, we look for that because we want to actually have something to grab onto because it's, 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 it's a scary idea. But the reality is, you know, like dating or anything in life, right? You just got to go do it. You can think, you, you can think about it as long as you want, but you just got to get out there right. and make it happen. Otherwise, right. you don't get good until you've done it. Exactly. Well, there, you know, well, there's yeah. this whole thing about fail fast, right? And, and lean, like, you know, startup, everybody's like fail fast so you can learn. But when it comes to like with people, failing in an interaction with somebody, well, that's where we get like communications, like uh, I, I, I don't wanna like just communicate with someone because I might fail. And then this goes into a whole like trust, and we just came from an open space talk about mm-hmm. trust, and trusting that you might fail when you're communicating with someone, but you can still recover from that and actually learn from that. It's not like a... Actually, well, the it's pilot thing is also a trust thing. Like, it's just a generic, like, I trust the pilot, the operation, people putting everything there. Like, right. Yeah. Right. Every, yeah. yeah. And oh, actually, um, I, you talked uh, about this in your talk, Damon, about making sure that, uh, like, things are aligned. And that's one of those things. It's like with air traffic controllers and pilots, everybody's aligned. And it's like, we know what our jobs are. It's to do right. this thing. Um, so there's not, that's another thing where they've optimized that out of the conversation. Yeah. One of the uh, interesting things that I found, uh, research, research it for a little while, is communication. Like, can we prove that communicating is actually, will improve something? Like, y- there's people believing, like, I write a document, I create an abstraction, I create an API so I don't have to communicate. And at least, like, much clearer because there's a contract between us. And, uh, and those people say, okay, let's do it, like, a lot. And one of the interesting comparisons was that at a party, it isn't the number of interactions 
if that's high, that will make it a good party. And it's, it's kind of, so the number or the, even that, it's like even one crucial communication might be worth like more than 100, like shallow right. mails I have anecdotal evidence yeah. that, that communication makes things better, but it may not be at the API level. You know, I mean, the real, it really works well when you are having problems and you want to actually like find out why something is like it is and it really creates a sense of empathy with what you're doing a lot of times when you find out why somebody is doing something that you consider to be stupid when you go find out why you all of a sudden discover that there are two or three probably at least really good reasons for what they're doing and it could be as simple as they had no idea what they were doing and they didn't know who to ask to figure it out and so they were coping with whatever they had to work with at the time and so a lot of times we assign deliberate malice to things that are just ignorance and and you know things that we don't know so like what you're saying like in that example Sasha you brought up like there you could go and have communication with that person about hey what are you doing that's stupid that's a very kind of shallow communication and you could also have a deeper more empathy focused communication both of those could if your metric is people talking to each other those both count as one but one is definitely more important. Kind of so really, useful. the metric should be number of words spoken. Yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's or length work. of words. That's going to work I don't out think well, that's right? Good. Yeah. The problem is that that uh, speaking is actually an error signal. So all the actual string things happening on each endpoint. So it's, it's funny. We're actually model, modeling <laughs> as an engineer the communication channel. So you see, <laughs> right. that's what we do. We're doing it live. <laughs> we're doing it live, folks. Well, I think that, you know, you mentioned trust and, and we're talking about communications. Another talk from yesterday that I thought was pretty interesting was leveling up new engineer in DevOps mm -hmm. culture and for healthy sustainability where Gary and Mercedes got up and we're talking about the mentorship program that they have set up there where Gary is mentoring Mercedes. And I think that Mercedes laid out two or three rules that I thought just really drove home as the, as the person being mentored. She has rules for herself around if you don't understand something, ask. And, and don't be afraid to speak up. And I thought that that was a, a really good talk. There was a, a third point in there that I don't remember, and I don't have my notes in front of me. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. it, it comes down to, you know, it's, I mean, I, I sort of realized that you see these repeating patterns, whether it's going off the rails here, but whether it's military organization, whether it's lean transformations in manufacturing in the last, you know, century, to now this sort of digital, you know, transformations, DevOps transformation, turning IT into a value-producing thing. It all comes down to just, it's all human behavior and physics. It's, it's literally, you know, do we understand the behavior of each other and how to interact with each other? And then it's just physics, you know, time, pressure, flow, you know, those type of, it's like you keep just keep coming back to those same, those same things. And I think that's why you see a talk like, like Mercedes talk that, that's completely, uh, totally different ideas than what Paul was talking about or what I was talking about. Yet we all come back to the same, uh, the same concepts of understanding human dynamics and how to align that to do something good. Well, that's, I mean, that's, I think one of the biggest things is, is, uh, I know interpersonal skills growing up. I mean, I was a nerd and engineer, right? Those are, and it's Raise not, your hand if you had great interpersonal skills as a, as a 20 year old. <laughs> right? Mexican yeah. wave going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and so the thing is though, as engineers, right, it wasn't always clear that, that we're talking about IT being in the back office and now being in the front office. In the back office, yeah, you don't really necessarily need to have those skills. But it seems like to the point you were making, Dave, is like part of the part of that now is actually you know communication and empathy and all those things they actually are important. I, I, were you saying self awareness, right? That's a is, big thing for is me the, too. Is the big you know the big kind of thing. 
Uh, so I, I remembered the third point. Actually, I didn't remember it. I was handed the third point. Uh, but <laughs> it, goes, it, it, goes, it goes right in line with exactly what we're talking about with human behavior, and that, that is the idea that you should avoid perfectionism. Mm. Uh, right? mm. So if, if I hadn't remembered that third point and didn't follow those rules, I might not have brought it up because I, I only had two rules that I remembered, so I couldn't be a perfectionist. But I well, so the nice that. thing, though, is uh, the videos, as always, are going to get posted, so we yeah. can review all this stuff. I did want to talk about the lightning talks because there were a lot of lightning talks a lot of them were hilarious. Like all of them were hilarious in different ways, which is actually was was the most fun part. And I don't yeah. know that I've had ever done, I've ever seen like a set of lightning talks uh, at a conference like so that. So these are ignites, ignites not talks, lightning. Sorry, there, there, sorry. there is like a difference. subtle but a very important distinction. Could you have a little right? empathy? Uh, no, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> for my mistake. Well, being no. a perfectionist. Well, yeah. I'm being a perfectionist. <laughs> number one and number two, I think we already had this conversation, dude. Yeah. Uh, so uh, <laughs> a lightning talk typically means five minutes, and ignite is also five minutes, but it's uh, twenty seconds per slide, and they auto advance. It's right. Twelve seconds uh, slide. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I the one the one today that I really like. Like Karthik did one on DevOps and the CIA. That was f***ing beautiful. Yeah. Was yeah awesome. I Sorry, really the like, CIA. I like Karthik's, for a lot of reasons, I think the the fact that people who actually solve the problem or who made people aware of it were women, I found that to be the most, in, I don't know why I found that to be the most interesting part of the story, but I did because I don't think we see enough of that in our industry. But also, I think that it was really cool to see this the story of something that was so real to all of us being transformed into a story that is also real to all of us and what we're going through. So I, I, I that was one of my favorites. Next, next, to Nathan, say, of course, Nathan, about you, dropping you, the mic or, you know, yeah. doing his well, Chuck did, D public enemy thing. Yeah. Yeah. You did the, the child of the eighties DevOps. I did. Yeah, yeah. And that, that was hilarious. I also liked, uh, Adrian did the, um, the, yeah, the pineapples, the drinking by the, yeah. With the bottlenecks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. With the, the, not getting the beer fast enough. That was a good one. And he also um, did it while wearing his Google Glass. Yes. Yes. Was that first, is that a first? That's a first for me. I'm from Redneck Town. You know. <laughs> first we think Google Glass is like somebody going <laughs> with some Coke bottles. So. <laughs> 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 yeah, I hadn't seen them till this week either. Yeah. I've actually seen three pairs since I got here to Velocity. I went to the yeah. Maker Fair and there were like a billion. Of them they look there. pretty. What's the word? What's the word? Glass holes. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't, I don't know how I'm going to bleep that. I don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, I think there were a lot of analogies that we saw for DevOps, right? So you did DevOps and, and flying. I did DevOps and rock and rap and how they come together. And there was DevOps in the CIA. So there were all of these analogies for let's tell this story of DevOps and, and try to help define it. Yeah. Well, a part of me thinks, and I'd be curious to what you guys think about this, like thinks that we're seeing a lot of those analogies because people really are taking note and a lot of times you know that that aren't developers or ops people right there the business side they're taking note that this is a thing and you have to go out and explain it to them and sometimes an analogy does work better than anything else and so we're finding all these analogies and they click with certain people and certain people they're not going to click with because they're just not they don't have an aviation background they don't care or they don't like rap or <laughs> they're not a child of the 80s right it doesn't make sense Wait, is there anybody here who's not a child of the 80s but well, rob you don't count <laughs> I'm just Child at heart, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, so you see, you see a lot of these analogies coming out. But, so. but the thing is that it, it proves that what we're doing is actually a universal thing. Mm-hmm. Like whether it's it's about like werewolves and like vampires, it doesn't really care. It's about like two 
groups that are <coughs> working together and when they do they kind of achieve more than you would individually and that's just like a universal well, team yeah and it take, took us like so many years to figure that out in our team which is kind of we're actually just like everybody else yeah. What's frustrating is I think we're actually also too smart for our own good, and we we, we, we hide our own. That's such a problem. We hide. <laughs> no, it's true. As an industry, I mean, I'm not sorry like, anyway. Like, not not the people in this room. I mean, as, as, an, as an industry, like we're there's it's it'd be too smart for your own good, and that, that you that you and also this this kind of cloak of the of the technology wizardry. Like right, we understand these things. You know, don't ask too many deep deep questions. This is some kind of art science, and we mix the technology with the human dynamics and the process and the business because otherwise you strip out the domain technology you read any of the old lean books right even you read a more modern lean book like doug reinerts and or reinerson that's his name the lean principles of product development flow like time and time again that book you like they're 30 40 pages you think he's talking about like us today like people who deliver software as a service and then he starts talking about some like physical you know product thing that you have to ship off to the manufacturer like whoa whoa some car hold on this book was written like for you know from from you know for talking about building physical products right it's all been done before and mm -hmm. that's the funny thing is we're kind of come up with our analogies to explain it to ourselves thinking that we're going to be able to explain it better to people outside when they actually know more about these topics than we do and like it was ironic i, I was at a, um, a consulting event a project for a bank in in uh, in europe and they had 150 people assembled for a devops internal devops event right John Willis and Chris uh, Byard got me uh, wrapped up in this thing. And it, and it was awesome. And at the end, the, the big sponsoring VP said, what'd you think? And I said, well, this has been the best business conference that I've, that I've been to, but there wasn't one business person here. Like literally of 150 people doing open spaces, all these conversations, there was not a single conversation about technology. All talking about their problems, it was all organization problems, process problems, communication problems, reporting structure problems. Like it was a big it was, therapy session, man. It, 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 to it totally was. I'm like, you guys just had this awesome business conference that didn't have anybody who actually was responsible for those things that you were guys were complaining about. The managers and then their business, their you know quote unquote business, uh, which is a weird term, business counterparts. And so the reality is, like these problems have all been solved before in other domains. We need to, you know, map those domains to ours and reach out using that terminology versus this, like, we're special, you know, wizards of the IT. We of the IT, struggle uh, with that internally, you know, right, where we want to invent it ourselves instead of reuse stuff. And we, we still, as an industry, it's like, oh, I can do it better than that open source project or I can write my own web yeah, server. We value, we value creation but, of stuff. Yeah. Right. There is value in a way that often when you, you say, I can do it better and you do it, it's the same thing, like, after you've done it, you learn the you problems and you understand the value of what they've done. Right. Yeah. And that's not always bad, by the way, because yeah. sometimes they're like, I can't do it better. And then like 5% of the time it's Nginx and you're over Apache or something. And they're, they're actually, it's like, yeah, we're going to constrain it. And but then that's useful. Again, it's a universal theme. Right. Like my kids will say, I will do better than my parents because what they do will never right. look right. Yeah. But in what they do and in effect, it's repeating what's, what we did. What's that joke? Your parents are really, really stupid when you get around 10 or 11. <laughs> and then they're really you know, smart again when you're about 20. I want because we were talking about this, you know, about bringing people together. Because you were saying uh, we were talking about the the DevOps days itself, and you were saying it's a little torn because you had people like coming up and apologizing, like, "Oh, I'm, I'm Dev, or I'm an ops person here at the." the yeah, yeah, that's that's really weird. Like, yeah. What? what, what Tell us the yeah, story. So people just come up and yeah, you know, I'm at this conference, but you know, I'm I'm a Dev guy. It's it's almost like they're apologizing that they think all the others are the ops guys, and then somebody else comes up and is like, "I'm an ops guy." 
It's like he's afraid. Like he thinks <laughs> all the others are the dev guys or the business guys, or it doesn't really matter. And like everybody, like oh, I'm a release you know, engineer. Actually, Where's you said the same. I'm a release engineer. I'm a bit different. I, <laughs> or I am like an engineer by. People and it's interesting. We should do some survey-ish stuff that we can like collect later, as far as like some demographics. Well, that's like how do you self-identify? Right? Well, I'm a consultant, so I don't even count. But you get to cast. You get so you get to classify yourself as whatever role you want to be, right? Yeah. Well, so and I think we have an extra. We have a new category lately called tools dev, and that's where I put me because I don't really consider myself to be a developer developer, but I consider myself to be tools dev, which is somewhere in the middle between some of the development and the operations stuff because we do a lot of both. But, and there's but a so lot of tools but, teams out there, right? But so your point was... See, I would just argue that makes you a developer. It doesn't matter what you're developing. It makes you a developer. Right, but it's different in her mind. And I, I talked to someone else that said the exact same thing. Because we're also responsible for operational type things. And for developers, dev is production. So, I mean, you gotta you got to work on a little bit of availability and reliability on these tools and things. And so... Okay. I don't know. I think so. And so that's... People are calling a lot of teams DevOps teams. And I think what they really are are these, these middle tool teams that are kind of in the middle of, of operations well, development. people think DevOps is tools. Sure. I know. But, so, but the funny point is you have like kind of a, this whole group of people that are sort of coming to this event and they think everyone else, they're, they're the outlier when it's like, no, we're all together. Yeah. And that's really the point. It's you great. know what really excited me about some of that though is that I ran into somebody from a place that I used to work many years ago when I was just a baby. And they, he had, he's now like a senior group manager there. So like uh, super, everybody's, I feel old, really. But he, he was there. He brought, like, nine of his managers with him. And there's a whole bunch of people there trying to transform organizational thinking in a way that I never thought was possible for this place. <coughs> well, I, I really like to hear that people have sent their, their text to some of these events. In this particular case, I'm really encouraged by the fact that he dragged, like, nine managers here. Yeah, that, that was a discussion that, that I had several times. Is that People were saying, I wish I could bring my manager. Yeah. I wish my manager. Because we really need to percolate some of that back up the chain a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's it's just because the ones that are smart. It's because they've realized that this is a this is a manager's this is a management problem, right? And he, and he there's, actually there's still this idea that this is a tech this is like this is a geeky tech thing. This is this mm -hmm. is technology. This is like, yeah, I let my people go there because hey, it's half on the weekend. It's their time. Haha, ha, what do I care? And the other half is I'll give them Friday off to go do the first half because yeah, they might learn some cool some technology. It's a skills some building new tools. tools, right? It's tools. a skills. Yeah, right. It's it comes out of my skills building budget. And I'm told right. by HR I should let my people do things to build. Skills, right? So I think it's an interesting question. Is there a way that we could attract more managers to the? Yeah, you, you talk in their language. You make it. This is a business. This is a business. Well, and problem. these guys. This guy, yeah. he had ended up reading the Phoenix Project for some reason. He he's now like shoving the Phoenix Project on like anybody who stands still long enough, like yeah. all the way up the management chain, all the way up to like the VPs and stuff. He's like making people read it. So I'm going <coughs> to see what happens with that particular use case. So I wanted to, one thing we were talking about, there were 500 people at this event, but this was a great event, but you're saying you're, the focus is doing like more events in more places and sm smaller if you can do them. So I wanted to mention like there's a ton of these coming up uh, in the next few months. There's one in Australia, Vancouver, Portland, Atlanta, <laughs> Rio. Barcelona, New York, Tel Aviv, and London. And did I miss any? Yeah. Somebody needs to send me to Rio DevOps days. <laughs> yeah. 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 Rock. John Lewis went like a year, it's two years ago or something like that. Did you say Rome? He goes, he, he goes uh, it was all in Portuguese Rio. and it was awesome. Yeah. Barcelona, <laughs> Tel Aviv, London. And there's also Barcelona. and Portland, I believe. I think the Vancouver Portland stage. Mike Merge. Yeah. They're on the planning stage, yeah. Yeah, yeah so more of these events and they'll, yeah. yeah. But uh, it's, uh, it's actually something of a dilemma for me is that why do we keep on um, having more of these conferences? It's, it almost feels to me that we're creating a silo by doing our own conferences. Like, we should 
definitely get more into other conferences with other like connecting to other people other communities I'm not saying we can't like grow our own communities but I do want to like encourage in, in a way that we go out and talk to the others because otherwise we're like the you other mean, like a DevOps tribe. track it. right well yeah I, I think, think yeah like I think we're starting to see that mm-hmm. right like so the agile conference this year has a DevOps track Mountain yeah. West Ruby uh, a lot so, of the Ruby conferences have a DevOps track but I think that like the real evolution yeah. is that we're all just talking about these things. You don't have a separate, de- I mean, having a DevOps track is better than not, but it's, it, we're all doing the Let's same see, thing. So there's actually a reason I think you why. You DevOps. So, so, I'm, DevOps I'm gonna defend, so, yeah. so I'm gonna defend DevOps days from, from, from Patrick here. The, the, I think <laughs> the reason why it's, if you look at it from its standalone, the original purpose before like DevOps actually realized there's actually a, a field, there's actually something here, was just, it was just, I wanna get developers the conference that brings developers and operations together. You go to RubyConf, you're not getting John Allspot, right? You're mm-hmm. going to Velocity, you're not getting, I don't even know the name of the, who was the, be, be the be hotshot Ruby, Ruby, Ruby developer. David Hanemeyer Hansen is not gonna show up. At right, exactly, so, so, so you're right. in these, so right. you know, where else do you have where it's like, hey, let's have this low cost, groovy, kind of fun, you know, loosely coupled, or loosely organized, just in time organized events, that's purely the purpose of putting developers and operations quote unquote, you know, people, yeah. who self-identifies those two things, give them a place to come together and talk about problems that span both of those those silos. I, I think that on its own, okay. just a, 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 as a meeting place, I think is a value, whether or not we're, you know, I think it's taken on this idea that now we're promoting this, uh, this a greater body of DevOps knowledge that's sort of grown out of this thing. But just at that base level, like there is no place for- yeah. I think we're that. gonna remove this, uh, like the tagline that we're, that bring developer and operations together. I'm just gonna call it the Switzerland of the IT industry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, everybody can come and just join. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Neutral I mean, ground. Rick's yeah. Cafe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Would, does QCon have a, QCon's largely developer. It's developers, yeah. Developers. Do they have any sort of track? I Thought mean, I guess, leaders. Yeah, they do. Thought leaders. Yeah, you know, the, the, leaders. The, a lot of the DevOps tracks then eventually boil down to a kind of cloud track. So yeah. this is still like the perception we're getting from any of the other groups in, right. in large. Uh, although Agile is different because they've largely been like all the time already been involved with the people side and they know there's like extra stuff doing on there. Well, and there were some things at Mountain Ruby that weren't necessarily tech talks that were not in the DevOps track. Like there was a there was a presentation on dealing with depression and suicidal feelings, right? And then there's been a... That would be good for certain... Ops teams, right? But I mean, but that was in the main Ruby track. It wasn't over in the DevOps track or anything. So maybe what we really need to do, or maybe we can talk about not having DevOps tracks at places, but having culture tracks, and um, because it's, that would have belonged in a culture track as opposed to like a DevOps track, mm-hmm. depending on what you're going to do in that DevOps track. Right. Well, so I know uh, when we said we're recording this from the closing of DevOps days, we're really recording some people have flights to, to catch. So I wanted to do like closing thoughts from everyone for DevOps days, Silicon Valley 2013. Patrick, you start. Uh, there's only one word I can think of currently, it's holiday. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> some of us have been conferencing pretty hard for the last week. Oh, so. yeah. yeah. Uh, wow. No, I think it's, it's, what's said has been said. I would say the only thing that could happen is what happened. The only people who could have shown up are the ones who shown up, and yeah. now it's time to vote with our two feet. And there's butterflies and 
bellies. Yeah. Oh, buzzards. I heard buzzards. Buzzards. Yeah. Buzzards. Yeah. No, it was great, and I, 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 I always enjoy these, and I'm looking forward to the next one I get to be a part of. Yeah, it's been a great week. I am now exa- officially exhausted and overstimulated, but uh, it was super. I love everybody at these things. I love everybody. I love you guys. Uh, I was uh, very pleased. To, I was kind of nervous that you know we're hitting this scale point that a lot of times can destroy a community, and it seems to actually have worked out to be greater than the sum of the parts in a positive sense. So I was very happy to, to see that. I've heard a lot about DevOps days. It's hard to actually talk about DevOps when, you know, because everybody says, oh, did you hear the talk of DevOps day? So it was, it was great to, to be a part of it and see it, it really in action. And of course, you know, all the community and all that stuff is it's, uh, very palpable when you when you uh, here. Closing thoughts, where do we closing thoughts? Do you have any? Um, I really I don't. I'm, I'm a little overwhelmed at this point. So. <laughs> He's fat free, it's okay. Oh, it's okay. Well, we, and we said well, people have planes to catch and you're like, I've got my, yeah. I gotta go. Oh, so. I, yeah, I've <laughs> had, um, no, I think this has been, this, this particular one was pretty amazing for me. I don't know if it's because I got to do the whole MC thing and that was a bit overwhelming, but and you were great, by the you way. Did you did job, yeah. Um, the sponsors this year felt really cool. I guess having the Cumulus guys here, who just came out of the came out publicly this week, was awesome because they had you know came out of what out of stealth out of stealth mode. So okay, so the the, the Cumulus closet. <laughs> 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 Did you miss that? I, yeah, I missed that. I missed that. I missed that memo too. Yeah, <laughs> you can't edit that. They have lots of that. I'm totally not going to edit that out, and I'm not going to edit the fact fact that I'm not going to edit that. Okay, <laughs> one, one point. One point. Yeah. Like just a big hug to Butcher Loop. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. John, we love you. Yeah, We're sorry you weren't here. Thanks. He never, Finally, John's fine. he never visits I, I, I anymore. I don't even think he's, he's dead or sick. He's, yeah. he's not dead or sick. He's actually probably healthier than he's, than he's ever been. He's just, he really wanted to be here and he like, you know, all the different life events and business events sure. and whatever and taking it on the road to Amsterdam like we did, you know. But we still yeah, miss right. him. We still miss him. That's how much we miss him. So really, Amsterdam yep. can really mess with you. Hi, <laughs> 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 I'm DevOps. Yeah, you get that. <laughs> I don't know if you can follow that, Nathan, but Nathan, closing so, thoughts. <laughs> sure, sure. So my closing thoughts. It's, it's, it's finally good that someone can, you know, he can, you know, he can fast to follow somebody and, and be challenged. <laughs> so, I mean, walking in at the beginning of this week, I knew it was going to be 500 people, and I was a little bit concerned. Like, our open space is going to work. Is, is the DevOps days at this size actually going to work? And I, I think that in large part due to the, to the many organizers, I think there were something like 10 organizers that pitched in to put this thing together, the sponsors. And of course, just the, the 500 people that were here, we actually made it work. And it was, it was really amazing to see everyone come together and the open spaces go off really, really well. I think that there were lots of great conversations uh, over the past two days. And, and absolutely, many of us are like exhausted in a, in a, in a really good like feeling enriched way. Yeah, definitely. How's that? Yeah, it's good. All right. So from uh, the close of DevOps Days, uh, Silicon Valley 2013, this is Paul Reed signing off. Uh, about to hop on a plane, this is uh, Nathan Harvey signing off. Uh, back to Belgium, Patrick Duas signing <laughs> off. Uh, David Edwards getting on the 101, signing off. <laughs> <laughs> Dirty South, John Vincent rolling home, yo. <laughs> <laughs> from next to all these really funny guys, this is Sasha signing off. <laughs> and Rob, this is my neighborhood, so... 
Beam is up, Scotty. So, so this was also the inaugural food ship cafe, food ship uh, cafe. <laughs> which was pretty awesome. Yeah. And so it's I told you it's the Switzerland of comfort. That's right. So until next time, chefs, keep, keep it, it hot. Yeah. <laughs>
related to release engineering and DevOps and, and all that kind of fun stuff. And we'll be posting uh, more details on that as uh, in, the, in the coming weeks as we firm up those schedules. And so you can always check out Ship Show Podcast on Twitter. Follow us there. Uh, you can also follow us at theshipshow.com. Sometimes we'll post blog posts there about various things. We actually haven't mentioned it for a while. We are on iTunes. Uh, we would love, actually, review feedback there on iTunes. If you like the show, don't like the show, want us to do something different, we've actually made some changes in some formatting and various things that we do based on listener feedback, so we really appreciate that. Uh, let us know how we can cover build engineering, DevOps, release management, and everything a bit better. I heard oh. some feedback today, actually. Yeah, that people might be interested to hear because I'd be interested to know what they think about it. Yeah. And I was told that sometimes we're not long enough, that sometimes people would really like to hear us argue things out a little more. Really? I thought that was very interesting. That came from uh, Justin Ryan over at Netflix. Oh, really? He'd really like to hear us talk longer about some things because he finds sometimes when we just kind of go off the rails really interesting. Huh. That's So here's the thing. That's good feedback. And, and actually, I'd be curious... Justin, if you're listening, like, what topics did you want us to talk more about? Sometimes I actually worry. Sometimes I worry that my voice is nasally and people get tired of hearing me say things. So. Well, he didn't say he liked hearing you talk. <laughs> well, that's Ouch. good to know. That's good that's, to know. It's cold. No, no. I actually, I, it's funny. I met Justin at DevOps days. We had a nice conversation. So it was good to actually finally meet him. But yeah, no, that's so, yeah, definitely. And seriously, folks, uh, if you have feedback like that, if there is a topic that you thought we didn't discuss or you thought the discussion went off the rails and you're like, I thought we were, you guys were going to talk about X and you totally didn't, let us know. I know, Sasha, you were saying you wanted to do the um, roll your own, you wanted episode again. You wanted to talk about that again. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of would and I'd like to call it not invented here syndrome. <laughs> yeah, no, so definitely, yeah, if there's something that you feel that uh, we could have talked more about, let us know and, and actually, uh, uh, we, we haven't done a DevOps Dear Abbott in a while, so we're going to start those again. And you can certainly submit questions about episodes and stuff that we've done uh, that way. And now that we've rambled on uh, for a few minutes about that, from San Francisco, this is Paul Reed signing off. From, uh, where am I? Cupertino, this is Sasha Bates signing off. From San Diego, this is Yusuf signing off. And we'll see you all in a couple of weeks.